Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Remember the old diet advice, like, when the urge to eat strikes, just take a walk, or have a glass of water. Usually you're just thirsty, not hungry. If you're anything like me, these suggestions make you want to punch the magazine or the person who said it in the face. So many suggestions to just stop emotional eating are based in diet culture. They're based in the notion that you know what to do, just do it. And I'm here to tell you that Changing behavior is hard. We as humans are wired for comfort and disrupting a pattern of emotional eating is challenging. And at the same time, you absolutely can do it and you can learn to prefer it. However, to get started with disrupting this pattern, we need to feel understood. We need to then take small consistent actions in the direction of our goals. So we're going to leave these super patronizing suggestions at home and get some actual suggestions for simple, fun things to do when the urge to eat strikes when you know you are not hungry. So for some actual suggestions for this, I have a new free actionable guide. This is a one-page PDF you can pull up at any time with 23 things to do instead of eating, complete with links to videos, fun, inspiring songs, and many different ideas to disrupt the pattern and take a small step towards empowerment and towards that confident person that you deserve to be. So grab the guide absolutely free at drhondorp.com forward slash guide. That's D-R-H-O-N-D-O-R-P forward slash guide to start ditching the shoulds and regaining confidence in yourself today. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Motivation Made Easy podcast. I have really missed you all. I took a pretty substantial hiatus from the podcast over the summer and it was much needed. It was wonderful. And I'm recording this early August, so I'm always ahead on my episodes, as you know, but I'm excited to be recording this for you. I'm really excited about what we have coming up on the podcast this fall, um, the slowdown over the summer 
as I mentioned before we took the break, was a tough decision, but really, really needed because I feel even more confident about the content we're coming out with in the fall. It's going to be, I think, more tailored to what really helps you and uh, some really, really great conversations. So what we have on deck for today is I'm going to talk to you about some takeaways in, in related to how anxiety and fear and poor body image and disordered eating patterns keeps you stuck in the emotional eating cycle, but more importantly, how it's really a cycle of avoidance and how learning to kind of address the core, as I often talk about, or go deeper or get curious about what's going on for you, though there's a lot of fear there for most of us when we aren't feeling confident in dealing with our difficult emotions, that's also where all the power lies. And so one of the things that I've really been reflecting on is how bad our systems are at setting us up for success with learning to go deeper and learning to understand how and why we do things and what's underneath some of our behaviors that just frustrate us. We are like, I don't know why I keep doing this. I really don't want to be doing this habit, whether it's emotional eating or binge eating, whatever. The power of getting curious and really saying, what is this about for me um, is, is really tremendous. So we're going to talk today about some of the concepts that will be really fundamental in understanding our next episode where I sit down with Dr. Julia King. We talk about the book 4,000 Weeks, which is a book that uh, Dr. King and I both read. She recommended it to me, and it really has changed how I view value-based living and how I spend my time. It's really a, an excellent book. And we're going to dive into what emotional eating has to do with fear of death, how diet culture has influenced beliefs about health and how that influences beliefs about our eating habits and keeps the emotional eating cycle going. And most importantly, how can we learn to dig deeper and make sure you're actually using your time on earth well, not wasting it on ineffective surface level dieting and weight loss strategies, covering emotions with food and or being too afraid to pursue what you truly want. And so it's a powerful conversation. That one comes out next week. Um, Today, what I'm going to do is break down some of these really powerful topics. I'm actually going to infuse a story um, that is not a real person story, but it's a very relatable story. It's kind of a, an amalgamation and similar to many clients that I've worked with over the years. So it's going to be a great episode. So excited to have you here. Um, really just excited to, to dive in with you today and uh, get back to our regular episodes. All right, let's dive in. All right, everyone. So to illustrate how fear and anxiety keeps us stuck in the emotional eating cycle or the binge eating cycle, I'm going to tell a story throughout the episode today about a client named Trish. Again, this is not this is not a real person at all, and it's really a amalgamation. But it's I think you're going to find this her story very relatable. So Trish initially came to me in a lot of distress. She was binge eating most days and gained had gained about 40 pounds over the past year. Prior to that, she had been on every diet under the sun. Her Weight Watchers group leaders knew her by name. 
and she was referred to me by her doctor who said that since her father died of a heart attack at age 45, she's at high risk. And Trish was 34 when she first started seeing me and she was incredibly scared. She was scared of having a heart attack, but also really upset and embarrassed to have people see that she had gained weight. So she was often avoiding social gatherings or she worked as a teacher, so she'd often try to dress in dark colors and clothes that would hide her weight gain, and she felt uncomfortable in her body every day. So, like I said, next week's episode, or next episode, we're going to sit down with Dr. Julia King and really talk in detail about anxiety, body image, and disordered eating and how they're really, really linked. But um, we're going to break down some of those concepts today so you're really ready to absorb the conversation next week. So we're just going to start with a basic definition of what is anxiety. So Dr. King defines anxiety as a feeling of fear, dread, uneasiness that is created by a perception of threat. And what she points out that's really important is that there's a cycle that exists between our thoughts, our emotions, and our behaviors. So for example, we have thoughts or beliefs about ourselves, like for example, I'm not, my body is not healthy or good at this weight, for example, and this is going to impact our emotions. It might create fear or anxiety related to our health or a future heart attack. Um, and or possibly also fears of not being accepted socially. This is a real fear. This is not in our heads that we just shouldn't care what people think. We are biologically hardwired for social connection and social um, groups because there was safety in groups. We are pack animals. So that all of these thoughts and beliefs greatly impact our behavior. So when we're in fear, when we're feeling not enough, we're more likely to avoid social gatherings, not post pictures of ourselves, maybe hide in pictures. We might eat um, out of emotions and to cover up those that anxiety. Or we might go on a restrictive diet to feel that sense of hope or control. And all of these things tend to be cyclical and kind of feed off of each other. So it can keep us really, really stuck. And... Anxiety and fear back in the day when we were running away from lions was, you know, really helpful, right? We'd feel the fear, we'd see the lion, we'd run hopefully to safety, and then we would be safe. We'd move through. Uh, if you've heard me talk before, I love the book Burnout. So they talk about completing the emotion stress cycle. Um, Animals typically feel the, the whole amount of fear once the threat goes away, but they move through that emotion cycle, fear goes away, you're safe, life is good. But now, due to a lot of different reasons, um, you know, obviously our life is a lot more stressful, but our perceptions of, of stress and fear, our perceptions of other people's opinions, there's a lot of layers to our fears. So a lot of times now our anxiety or our fear keeps us stuck immobilized and not taking action towards a life we deeply desire and instead taking actions that keep us stuck in this fear avoidance cycle. So this anxiety can keep us stuck in restrictive dieting cycles, which as we know, tend to lead to weight gain over time, not weight loss. Um, 
patterns of avoidance, like not posting pictures or not going to social gatherings, missing out on opportunity to build meaningful connections, which, you know, has the potential to make us feel more worthy, more connection, reduce anxiety. But when we don't go, we don't have the opportunity. So we stay at home, we stay anxious, we stay feeling unworthy. And um, anxiety can definitely keep us stuck in the emotion, emotional eating cycle, also known as the diet binge cycle, where we feel out of control, more and more convinced something is clearly wrong with us, and we stay quiet, we stay ashamed, um, and that's you know certainly the cycle I was in for many years, and uh, I know I'm not alone in that. So the question we want to start asking ourselves is, what is the perceived threat that you are avoiding? So for Trish, the immediate threat that prompted her to come see me was her doctor telling her she's at risk for heart disease and he's concerned about her weight gain. And so that was the immediate threat. And it's easy to say, well, that's the threat. Uh, My health is in jeopardy. I have to make a change. I have to improve my habits. But that keeps us too much on the surface. It doesn't actually address root cause. So the more that Trish and I talked, we realized that although she thinks she should care about her health risks, like having a heart attack, really truly more upsetting to her is the fact that since she's gained weight, she is too self-conscious to go out on any dates. And Trish also shared that she really wants a family. She's scared of not finding someone. She's scared of her quote-unquote biological clock and being able to have kids. Um, And However, the fear of rejection and judgment about her body size is keeping her incredibly stuck. She tells herself she's not ready to be in a relationship because she feels so ashamed of her body. And in the past year, due to this, Trish has kind of stayed on that surface level. She's done most of the major weight loss plans. She's tried Noom, Weight Watchers for what has, she's done that many, many times, probably about 10 times. And, um, even went to an Overeaters Anonymous meeting, but quickly she found herself back in the same pattern, um, back even though she wasn't keeping any foods in the house that she typically would binge on, she'd find herself in the ca- uh, cupboard eating peanut butter out of the jar and just really ashamed of herself. So, you know, in terms of threats, fears, and worries that keep the emotional eating cycle going, Clearly, there's a lot of things to have fear and anxiety about these days. There's a lot of true threats. However, many of the things that our brain perceives as immediate threats are not actual threats to our safety today. So they're false alarms, stories we tell ourselves. And and I'm and I think this is an interesting point that I'll just make here is that when I first learned about cognitive behavioral therapy, change your thoughts to change how you feel. I was in grad school, I was incredibly stressed, and I was frankly quite mad about it. I was like, that's not that easy. Like, you can't just change how you think. And it's true, it's hard to change how you think. But the more that we get stuck in that loop, right, it's, I can't change how I think. That in itself is a thought process. It's a belief that you hold that, yes, if you had that belief, it's going to make it harder. So, point being, the more we let ourselves process what we're actually feeling, the more we get curious, the easier it is to notice what's a true threat and what's a true danger and when is my brain just creating a false alarm. So when, you know, 
the reality is there's a lot of societal messages that we take as truth while we talk about on this podcast that further increase the fear. Um, and so we're going to go through some of those. And I want you to think about Trisha's example of this heart attack fear that she may think this is incredibly real and could impact my safety tomorrow. Um, so there's some diet culture myths that increase fear. Um, first is this idea that thinner is better. So we're, as we know, we're bombarded all the time with messages that support the idea that thinner, thinner is better, healthier, more socially desirable. And this is true pretty much in most of our systems, right? This is how I was trained. This is how most people are trained as professionals. Um, and it's definitely the case in most messages that we get. And there's some subtle shifts in this area, right? Like we see a little bit more diverse bodies on TV and, you know, all of that. But like, let's be real. We have a long, long way to go. So the reality is if your body doesn't conform exactly to society's standards of what is good, um, you are set up to feel like you're not good enough, failing in some way, and that can activate a threat response in your body. And and so basically, that belief, I'm not good enough, is activating a threat response that is causing you to feel unsafe today when that's not an actual threat. And you might think of it as, because we view body size as a choice many times, right? And that's what we're told. Um, the doctor said, go get your weight under control versus a genetic and bio biological reality, you're told that not only you're, are you not good enough if you're not thin, but it's your fault that you can't lose weight. You just need to work harder. And that's where we get stuck, where we're like, people often come to me and they're like, Sean, this is a real fear. Look, the doctor told me. But really, the fear and the threat, a lot of times is coming from, I am not enough. I have failed. And that's what's causing the fear and the threat and the anxiety more so than the reality of having, you know, increased heart disease risk. And it's not that we're not denying that this Trisha's example. Yeah, genetically, she may be at higher risk. Maybe. Um, and the stress that not feeling good enough is putting on her is probably more of a risk than the exact quality of foods that she puts in her body and definitely more than her weight. So you can see how these myths and beliefs really can amplify that stress response and keep us stuck in the cycle of binge eating or emotional eating in a way that just leaves us feeling terrible, unwell, and disempowered. The second myth that I want to talk about is this idea of like it's really just about being healthy so you know the good news is it's not as socially acceptable to outwardly shame people for their weight although it still happens um, the bad news is the diet diet culture is tricky and sneaky and it's found a way around this so this is the health argument so just like we're bombarded with messages left and right that thinner is better more desirable we're also told that thinner is healthier when the fact is that this simply isn't true. So we link in the blog post a study that shows this, but there's many examples of this. And the health argument ends up being sort of a sneaky way to convince you that it's still your fault and you need to just be healthy. And if you were just focused on your health, everything would be fine and it's just have better health habits, right? So... Um, and I want to address, you know, 
a lot of times people will say, okay, fine, Sean, I know that you can be healthy at different sizes, but I know I'm not healthy at this weight. So this is something that um, people tell me a lot and we have a conversation about it. And so you might be listening or reading and thinking, yeah, I know deeply I'm not healthy right now. So that is you, you might have a deep sense that you're not at your best health right now and this might really scare you. And depending on your situation, this may be true. It's very possible that you're not at your best health right now and it's you know even likely if you've been caught in this chronic dieting cycle for years it puts a ton of stress on your body physically and emotionally and you might be feeling quite run down unwell you may um, have gained weight and that in itself you might blame the weight gain for how you're feeling unwell but the reality is being stuck in the chronic dieting binge cycle even if your weight stays the same may be feeling the same. Um, so, you know, enter a diet culture in the weight loss industry to tell you, hey, keep trying the new programs, right? Like there's new programs now that claim to have psychology infused in them, but there's not, <laughs> there's not a lot of psychology in there. Um, I could tell you because I tried some of them. And you hold on to small amounts of hope that maybe this time the program will finally help you lose weight and feel good and maybe it could if it or anything is actually helping you understand what's at the true root of the issue and so often again we stay at the surface and it's not actually addressing something that's going to give you long-term relief so diet culture is designed to capitalize on your fears that is what marketing does and diet culture does it really well um and yet, again, the data shows, are you currently on a diet to lose weight? The most likely outcome of you going on a new eating plan, a new diet, is that you will gain weight over time. And then, and that may or may not happen, but that's the most likely outcome. And the reality is that most systems will set you up for failure in this area, not working with your body, but working against it. So we have to take a different approach. And so when we make changes to our eating and exercise habits from a place of fear, feelings of unworthiness, not enoughness, it almost always is a short-term way to avoid the pain and those habits almost always don't stick long-term. And um, I mean, there, as we always talk about, there's biological realities as well to, to what happens with your weight. Um, but again, if we don't dig deeper, if we don't understand what's going on and we don't get curious about what's going on specifically for us, then we really likely can't expect those habits to, to switch or to stick. So you might say, all right, if dieting and focus on weight loss is avoidance most of the time, then what the heck do I do instead? So the question might be, what should you be spending your precious time on if it isn't a new lifestyle weight loss program or just healthy lifestyle effort, right? Um, and it can be a healthy lifestyle effort. We just need to switch the focus um, and how you're understanding that and how you're thinking about yourself as you go. So fear, anxiety, and time management. We're going to dive into this even more in my episode with Dr. Julia King, but fear and avoidance can almost always be related to the fact that at some level, we're all aware that we have limited 
time in this one precious life that we have. Um, so we're all aware of that fact logically and it can put pressure on ourselves. We want to spend this time well um, and we worry that we won't. We worry that we're not spending our time the way we want to. We worry that we'll fail. We'll have regrets about what we did, what we didn't do and um, how we spent our time. And so this is, I actually shared a story with my people on my email list recently where that's one of the ways that this book has changed my life so much as I used to when I had time to myself when the kids were at grandparents. Um, I would get really anxious about like, gosh, I have so much I want to do, but I also want to relax. And um, and just that discomfort and that anxiety that came up. So I'd kind of overschedule myself as a way to cope and kind of work temporarily, but not really. And, and I always kind of left that time feeling like, eh, I didn't get enough done. And that not enoughness is actually the problem because it causes us a lot of stress. So again, we have to get curious and understand what is uh, impacting our experience and how can we actually get clear on what matters, how we want to spend our time and what we want to do. And so to, so let's go back to Trish for a second. Um, Trish might say, all right, I'm here to work with you. I want to focus on my health. This year is the year for me and I'm going to give myself permission. permission. And she might say something like, I'm out of control, so desperate to stop binge eating, and I just have to force myself to cha change. I have to work harder. Um, and so prior to coming to me, Trish shared that most Mondays she'd wake up and at least have an intention to eat in a way that helped her to feel good. She and a friend even had a pact where they would talk and text each other, and they were working on eat to feel good. Like, that was their plan. They weren't on a diet. They were just trying to make some healthy habit changes. So... Um, so yeah, she would, you know, maybe she would stop signing up for these new programs. She was like, yeah, it's not really working. She would just make goals or intentions and meal prep on Sundays, and she'd text her friend to account for accountability. But sometimes as soon as Monday midday, she was binge eating and just so frustrated with herself, and she'd kind of spiral. Why couldn't she keep herself in check? What's wrong with her? Like, what's wrong with me? She would ask herself. And when we dug deeper on these moments when she would eat in response to her emotions and binge eat, um, you know, first and foremost, if you haven't listened to me before, you know, we do have to make sure people are eating enough through the day. So the behavioral basic needs, eating enough throughout the day, um, having enough snacks, having enough food is number one, getting decent amount and good quality sleep is also number two. So in this work with Trish, we're, we're jumping past that and we're digging deeper. So just, I just want to be clear because sometimes if we jump too quickly to digging deeper in our thought patterns, we miss that biology. We miss that, um, that component that no matter what perfect thought process you have, if you're under eating and not eating enough throughout the day, or you are super sleep deprived, all these fancy strategies in the world won't work. But so that being said, we're moving forward to understanding and digging deeper. So in these moments after Trish was eating enough throughout the day, she would still have moments where she would, you know, she would get lunch, she'd be eating and then she'd just keep eating. And, and we dug a little bit deeper and we realized during this time, she was thinking and ruminating about all the ways she wasn't living the life she really wanted to. And 
kind of eating beyond full was an, a way temporarily to distract her from that discomfort. And it did work. And then she sort of, in the past, she would then restart a new diet effort and she'd focus on that. And that was something she could control. But what we started to do is say, no, we're not going to restart another diet effort. So what is going on? So Trish is a teacher, and while she loves her job, deep down, she's always felt called to do environmental work. And because her teaching job is stable, she's afraid to leave it. She's um, single, so she doesn't feel like she can just leave jobs willy-nilly. So instead of taking steps to look into a career change, she reminds herself she's got to focus on her health first. And, you know, maybe once she gets her weight and eating under control, then maybe she can look at a possible career change. And further, we started talking, and she also shared that she deeply wants children, always has, and is really terrified that won't happen for her. She, um, But she hasn't dated in two years because she just doesn't feel good about herself. She was much more confident before gaining weight, and she feels like she's really got to get back to that feeling first or she won't be in a good place to date someone and, you know, don't they say, like, you can't love someone until you love yourself, right? So um, so we talk about this, and she'd be pretty convinced, like, I got to do this first. I got to work this out first. But then we kind of started talking about, like, what if avoiding taking steps to make a career change towards meaningful work, towards what you feel called to do, and or towards dating or putting yourself out there, and instead, just focusing on dieting, weight loss, healthy habits are the very things keeping the emotional eating cycle going. So even after we challenge that diet mentality and we eat enough throughout the day and binge eating goes down, what if the avoidance of the things she deeply desires to do are the things that are actually keeping her stuck? And she says, I got to get back to this place where I wasn't. I hadn't gained weight, I got to get to a smaller body size, and then I can live the life I want to do. So this is incredibly common, and we need to start getting curious about what it is for us. So once we reduce that biological drive to binge with the diet mentality and we work through that, we can do these things at the same time, I will say, that it's not like work on your, you can work on your relationship with food first, but you'll probably get the best bang for your buck if you start taking steps towards other areas of your life that's more meaningful as well because otherwise what's the point what are you I mean not binge eating is great but we also want you using your time in this life well so when when avoidance really harms us and and look we all avoid we scroll mindlessly on our phone to get up Avoid getting up and doing the dishes. And if you've been caught in the binge cycle for many years, um, common avoidance for you is, is possibly eating when not hungry because when you're in this cycle of chronic dieting, your body perceives slight hunger as a threat because it thinks you're starving. And so that's it's so much easier to eat when you're not hungry when you are in a chronic dieting cycle because, again, your brain, your limbic system brain is saying, hey, we're starving, and it's prompting that binge eating. Um, or, you know, planning a new diet or health-related effort is another great way to avoid. It's a way to feel hopeful in the moment 
And believe me, I get it. I did many times and it did give you a sense of hope. Um, there's often fear, right? Especially each attempt you do, you're afraid more and more you're going to fail because you perceive yourself as having failed in the past. But there's also other forms of avoidance that aren't necessarily directly related to diet, the diet, chronic dieting cycle. And those are examples of those are you know, binge watching Netflix or other TV. I'm not talking about sitting and watching your favorite show an episode or two and really enjoying it, but that binge watching and just, you just aren't really enjoying it and it's getting to be where you're just feeling worse. Um, obsessively cleaning can be avoidance. Obsessively budgeting or being rigid about money. We actually talk about that next episode um, where I used to do that. I would avoid, <laughs> I would either avoid my budget or then I'd just check it too much. And that's, it's avoidance. Um, blaming yourself, getting in your shame cycle is actually a form of avoidance. And it doesn't mean that we don't name our shame, but when we just sit, sit and stay in the shame cycle, that, um, often just avoids looking at what, what really matters to us. Blaming others is definitely an, another way to avoid our own stuff. And uh, we all do this. I've definitely done all of these things. Overthinking, overanalyzing, over logical analysing <laughs> um, is a form of avoidance. Uh, positive self-talk can sometimes be avoidance. Now, it isn't always, right? Like shifting your mindset in a really helpful way um, can be empowering and increase your determination and it can be great. But sometimes it can be avoidance. Like just look on the bright side. You can do this. Like if it's, and, and sometimes that comes from other people more so than ourselves. But when we try to force yourself to stop having a pity party, just you know, trying to force ourselves to feel a certain way, that can be a form of avoidance. And then talking to yourself logically, or I see this a lot, and this urge to do this for kids is really common, um, where we're like, just don't cry, it's not helpful, or like, but again, that's just, that's not helpful to kids, and it's not helpful to adults. So, okay, those are some examples of avoidance, we all do it, so what the heck do we do instead so we can disrupt this avoidance cycle? Um, so one person may, and this is going to vary, but one person might choose to focus less on food and exercise for now and maybe focus on making consistent improvements to their work-life balance, cutting off work at a certain time, managing their stress better. Another person may decide that they're feeling really unwell in their body and maybe they have a strong desire to learn plant-based cooking. Um, and, and maybe it's, you know, yeah, it's definitely, they would love to lose weight, but they're like, I really deeply want to focus on having a more sustainable eating pattern for the environment and animal welfare. So if that's a deep value for them and it doesn't feel restrictive, they might focus on taking an online cooking class, learning to be a better cook and learning some whole food plant-based meals. And that might feel like a great choice for them. Um, for Trish, she decided instead of resolving to be good every Monday, she just simply started noticing her thoughts and noticing the impact that she had, they had on her. So she would start journaling whenever the stress would come up, the old thoughts about, I need to diet, I need to fix my body, I'm unhealthy. And she would just 
kind of get curious about them. She'd kind of brain dump them into her journal and start to really reflect on how they were impacting her. Um, and after she kind of got those out, she started to journal more about what was truly important to her and how she could take actions just that week in small ways that actually supported her goals. And, um, and I will say that for most of us um, and for Trish, journaling initially is, there's a lot of resistance to it. It can be really painful, or at least we fear it will be painful. Um, for Trish, she really hated seeing the mean things she would say to herself. Like she would say, you're so lazy. I can't believe you can't figure out to eat well. No one's gonna love you. You're the worst. And that could really be hard to look at. But she learned to just kind of get curious and and learned, you know, with help to view the thoughts as what they were, thoughts and beliefs. And, you know, all of them were related to messages that she got or inter things she interpreted about life experiences. And so not blaming any of the people or the experiences that led to those thoughts and beliefs, but just saying, oh, yeah, well, that is how I developed this thinking pattern. Um and, and there may be pain to feel and unpack there. And in fact, when we feel pain about past experiences, that's just a red flag of, hey, there's something important to heal there. But she got much better at just getting curious about those urges. Um, when she'd notice an urge to be good at a party or control her intake, she just learned to pause, check in, get curious about what pattern were there. And it's, she started to see themes. Um, and then ultimately she'd say, eh, check in with my body. Does more food actually sound good? And, you know, she continued to attend therapy regularly over time. She found a new boxing class down the street that made her feel powerful and strong, but it was different. She wasn't forcing herself to go. She just tried it out as an experiment and was surprised. She really liked it, but she wasn't pressuring herself. And, you know, it's the consistency over time that builds self-trust. And when we think about chronic dieting and body image, there's a lot of self-trust to build, but be careful about having that all or nothing mindset or that fixed mindset of, I don't trust myself at all. I'm failing. I'm the worst. Look, I struggled today and therefore I'm failing. Because the reality is that change is never linear. It's never a perfect lineup. And that certainly was not the case for Trish. She wasn't perfect, but often when she failed, quote unquote, she found herself falling back into old mindsets like self-shaming or old patterns of binge eating, mindless snacking to avoid feeling anxious or lonely. She just practiced getting curious about what's going on. And some days she got curious and flipped the pattern quickly, uh, maybe even before she ate to cover that pain. Other days it might take a few days before she pulled herself out of that pattern. Um, but she kept working and gradually consistency, she was avoiding less and less. She was getting curious more and new patterns were starting to develop that became more second nature. So she eventually put up a dating profile, even though it scared her. She also emailed a mentor that she knows in the environmental field and asked for a virtual coffee. And she started to take those consistent actions in the areas beyond food that were really important to her too. Because the truth is that these beliefs that we hold, I'm not enough or I'm not living the life I want to, they are core to so many things. And they hold us back from not just, you know, the, the diet, binge diet emotional eating cycle just 
keeps us spinning our wheels, but when we get to the root cause, the cool thing is it applies to a lot of different areas. And yes, different areas of our life are going to bring up the similar beliefs or even we're going to, at times in our life, different challenges. Like for me, parenting is a, is a new challenge that is bringing up more stuff that I've never dealt with before. But the more you get the right supports and the more you learn to not shame yourself for it, the more you can be like, oh, isn't that interesting? I have this ingrained pattern that comes up when I try to parent my child in this way. And um, this is a skill that should be taught <laughs> way earlier than it is. Um, but it's, it's just another one of the ways that the emotional eating diet cycle keeps us from doing what really truly works and will serve us long term. So main takeaways today and tips to stop the avoidance cycle and break the emotional eating cycle. Um, the first truth is your food struggles have very little to do with food. I know it feels like it's about the food and it feels like it's about your body size and the weight. And, and I've said before, I'm not denying that there's not a component of your body size that impacts your level of stress. There's there's some reality to that. And it's probably very little to do about the food um, and, and staying stuck in this cycle of trying to fix your body, control your body is often helping you avoid something really that you don't, that, that you perceive as really scary and uncomfortable. And the sooner you see that connection, the sooner you'll make those true, consistent, lasting changes and progress towards what matters to you. Truth number two is that it's going to be uncomfortable and you can handle it. And sometimes it's not as bad as we think, but we don't know until we try. So often our fears, our anxieties about discomfort are so much worse than just experiencing the thing itself. And most of us are simply not taught how to feel our uncomfortable emotions. But again, it's a skill that can be learned and you can find safe spaces to process pain, grief, unpack stuck points, and notice your thinking patterns. This could be via journaling, talking to a friend, seeing a trusted professional. Um, and there's many, many resources out there, but we just have to find the ones and likely combination of ones that you need. And truth number three is that you don't have to do it all at once. I know you want to feel better. I know you want to do it all at once and that's fair. And, you know, this idea of breaking up with avoidance can feel intense and scary, but Rome wasn't built in a day and change takes time. And you can build and make small consistent progress towards not avoiding and celebrating your wins. Even a five minute break to check in and note how you're feeling even if you don't write that much into a journal or you just sit and breathe or you take one little step towards a career that actually excites you or setting a boundary with someone that you that completely drains you, these changes add up, but we have to learn to acknowledge them, celebrate ourselves, and this is how change actually happens. So that is the breakdown of how fear keeps us stuck in the emotional eating binge eating cycle we're going to dive more into it in a really fun conversation next time with dr julia king um, in the meantime if you haven't make sure you grab our free resources at drhondorp.com forward slash 
guide um, would be for the resource of 23 positive things you could do without eating. This is a great one to stop wasting your time and disrupt that emotional eating cycle in just a small way. Um, so that's a great guide if you need ideas for what the heck else you could do when you're really feeling like eating. So grab that at drhondorp.com forward slash guide. And um, yeah, make sure you stay in touch and have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening today and for showing up for yourself. If you are ready to ditch the diet mentality, build sustainable, healthy habits, take great care of your body, and build a life you truly love, then I have some great news for you. The doors for the Body Respect Program are now open for enrollment. This innovative program is unlike anything else out there. It will help you unlearn diet mentality BS, learn to truly work with your body instead of against it, and help you show up as the person you were meant to be. If you're ready to dive deeper and get the support you truly deserve, go to drhondorp.com forward slash course, or click on the link in the show notes to sign up and get more information about the program, current bonus offerings, and to join the community today. That's D-R-H-O-N-D-O-R-P dot com forward slash course. It's time to stop dieting and start living. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.